Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Star Players, episode 17, Phantom Menace, hosted by two guys, one dice cup. My name is Al, Goldeneye Unicorn. And I'm and Phil from Arash's Cards. You left me hanging there, mate. That was fantastic. <laughs> uh, in this episode, we are uh, once again deviating from from the normal over the summer months because we've uh, we've been keeping an eye on the interwebs, uh, some live play tournaments and some online tournaments have been happening around the globe. And there's a bit of a phantom menace uh, appearing on the horizon in the, the shape of star players. They seem to be uh, doing a bit of, a bit of domination, do they not? Yeah, yeah, I think there's a there's a a, a fair amount of uh, sort of chat on the internet about uh, the prevalence of star players and the new rule set and uh, what what needs to be done about it or what should be done about it. So it'd be good yep. to have a chat about that. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much the main purpose of the podcast. So for the the rookie coaches, uh, rookie TOs, and and veterans alike. Uh, the third section of the podcast, we're going to be doing a bit of a dive into the, the different star player rosters that have been successful in the past sort of month, month and a half. And talking a lot about, about the, the pros and cons of what that could mean moving forward for um, for competitive Blood Bowl. Uh, and I'll also give you an insight if you if you haven't been keeping up to speed with what um, what some tournament rosters uh, are currently looking like so it's I'm actually looking forward to that section Phil I don't have I don't have too many bad feelings at the moment about it I've got some strong opinions strong opinions strong. Um, yeah well let's let's save that up and get cracking because uh, there's there's been some gameplay mates serious gameplay on the games front yeah, there's been quite a bit, hasn't there? Um, yeah. How fucking let's good start does it feel? Oh yeah, aye. Oh, uh, yeah. Actually back to rolling some physical dice as well. Yeah. I know both um, of us having separate uh, separate things. Yeah. So as uh, listeners would have remembered from from the previous um, podcast, I was lining myself up to attend a one-day bolt action tournament. And that happened. And as as we're recording it, it was uh, yesterday. So the the event was called Invasion Bathgate, uh, and we were playing at the new uh, friendly local gaming store there called Nightly Games or Nightly Gaming. And Phil, I haven't spoken to you about this yet, but uh, I can see a lot of our gaming future being there, mate. It's it's going to be good, really good. Um, you know, it's, it's very easy to get to. There's lots of free parking nearby within, you know, a two-minute walking distance of the store. Uh, their facilities are good at the moment. They've, they've only just sort of started to form them together, but it's, it's, their, it's their size. Uh, the only yeah, way that, I can... that's where Yeah, that, that's where the MKBVL guys uh, play, isn't it? Yeah, uh, they've just yeah. they've just started playing there um, on their kind of monthly kind of days or whatever it is they do. Yeah, but I don't think you grasp 
the actual size of the place, and I didn't grasp the size until I got there. And we, uh, the ground floor is their their shop and cafe, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, and then you go upstairs, and there is space for, I would say, a minimum of. I'd say 30 six foot by four foot tables with comfortable spacing and chairs. And then you go upstairs again and there's space again for at least 30 to 40 six by four foot tables. Jesus. Yeah, that's that's a lot. That's a lot of space. It's it's enormous. And I heard a rumor that they've got a basement as well uh, that I didn't have access to. Um, But raw, raw space, mate. Gaming floor space, it's it's big. It's really big. And uh, the first event, um, there was twenty two of us, and they had we had twelve tables set up, and genuinely we took up about a third of the room on the first gaming floor. And uh, and nobody was cramped. Nobody was bumping into each other. There was about you know we had to do some social distancing um, of the tables. Uh, the rows of tables were, you know, plenty, plenty of gap between. And the other thing as well that's worth noting is that the front facing of the gaming floor looks out onto Bathgate High Street, and it's all windows, so nice oh, sunshine comes yeah. through. And the rear facing wall looks out onto the sort of back alley area, but again, big windows. So there's lots of natural light and uh, really good airflow. So, you know, that's that's all good. But yeah, so it's nightly games in Bathgate. And for those international listeners that we've got, Bathgate is a, it's a town. I'm sure it's a town um, in central Scotland. Uh, it would be about half an hour's drive from Edinburgh. Uh, depending on road conditions, and it's half an hour's drive from Stirling and about 45 minutes drive from Glasgow. Uh, all those are rough um, sort of gauges uh, on my behalf. Uh, it, was, it was a 35 minute drive for me, door to door. Yeah, it's pretty good for the central belt. You know, it's, it's very, very accessible to pretty much anybody who's down there. Yeah, uh, so that's so that's my little plug for Nightly Games. Uh, they've got a Facebook page and website and all that stuff. So if you're if you're interested, you um, should get on get online and check it out if you're in, in Scotland and you haven't heard about it yet. Uh, the only critique currently I would give them is that their store wasn't inviting to me and that once we'd set up our tables and stuff, I got some free time to wander about. I didn't want to spend any money there because there was nothing there I wanted to spend money on and that was odd uh, especially as I haven't been in a war gaming shop other than when I visited Common Ground Games in Stirling uh, and I've, I've got money to spend on stuff and they didn't have anything they had lots of products, they had Star Wars Legion that Marvel Crisis Pro protocol game but there was nothing there was nothing that drew my eye so that that may be something they have to work on anyway, find the back cave, four games actually happened 
So 22 players at a bowl action event. Uh, three games. And, uh, you know, cut to the chase, because I know that this is a Blood Bowl podcast and you don't want to be bored by the ins and outs of bowl action um, gameplay, but uh, the first game was against a guy called Andrew Mackay, who is a Bowl Action Team Scotland member, and he is coming to the uh, two-day team event with me in England at the end of the month. So we were uh, happy to be drawn against each other, um, but also a little bit disappointed because we wanted to test ourselves against other players. But a uh, close game and it ended in the draw. I'm not going to go through the ins and outs. He ran a Bulgarian army, which is a bit of a rare one. Uh, and I had my uh, alternate history Confederate States of America force, which is just an American army. There's nothing freaky about it. It's just painted and coloured differently, um, as though the, the Confederates won the Civil War. Uh, it's just a weird alternate history thing I did. Uh, my second game, actually I should point out, I was going to say that the first game it was an extremely good opponent with a very good army and it was a draw. Uh, my second game I was playing against a, a good opponent with a good army uh, and it was a, he had a, it was a German, I think it was like a German Falschenjäger army, so it was all veteran, you know, veteran units. Uh, and it was a it was a win to myself, and I must say I absolutely wiped the floor with them. Uh, there was no, you know, peaks and troughs of lucky dice or anything in that game. It was just I was, I guess, a little bit more tactically aware of what was going on and just making better choices at the right time. Um, and I think he he knew that sort of by mid game that it it sort of escaped them. Um, but it was a good challenge, and my opponent took on the chin. Uh, when I wiped out everything bar one unit of his. Um, you know, it's really sad when you do stuff like that and you don't feel bad. I think it's a tournament. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, these, these things happen. Uh, my last game was against another extremely good opponent, an ex-member of Team Scotland, and he had a, another really uncommon army. It was a Chinese nationalist army. I, I'd forgotten that China was in World War Two. Um, but yeah, he was he was an extremely good player uh, with an extremely good army, and it was a it, it was a real uh, brain fuck to get the victory on him. Uh, but again, it just came down to making a few a few better choices, and there was a little bit of luck. But again, there was no peak and trough of dice rage uh, to speak about. You know, I didn't get you know great dice. I didn't get poor dice. It was just. Good averages on both both our accounts. Um, but I think the overall feeling, though, <clears throat> being back in a competitive environment was fucking amazing. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. You know, three games on a nice, nice six foot by four foot tables. Great scenery supplied by all the players. Uh, you know, nice armies, good banter. Um, yep, the games were serious. You know, I'm. I'm not gonna lie, I had my my, my uh, tournament focus on, and so did my opponents. But at the end of the game, you know, once the the handshake and the, the hand sanitizer had been dished out, uh, everybody relaxed and had a laugh about what what was going on. So it was really good. And overall, final result, I finished fourth. Um, 
out of the 22 with two wins and a draw. And uh, that, that was split on the tiebreaker. So the guy that I got a draw with in round one, he finished third. He had a slightly better tiebreaker than me because he went on to win his, uh, his other two games as well. And the guys that finished first and second, they both won all three of their games. So they were split on tiebreaker as well. So it was close. It was good. It was really good. I'm really happy. And I got prizes. Good stuff. Yeah. So that, that was me. That's awesome. That's still my gaming. Super happy. Right. But I know that you've you've got hey, actual you've got Blood Bowl stories, so <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, you, say that, that, you say that's all your gaming, but I mean that's that's good that you you're back playing competitively at something oh, and mate. um It was so good to have the, the brain engaged. Yeah, and it's it's not engaged in because I mean you can engage your brain playing online uh, mm-hmm. with whatever, but it's not it's not the same. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, myself, um, Hipster Potter, and uh, Huntley Loon slash GWI eighteen seventy four or whatever the fuck his name is. Um, had uh, had a a couple of games of Blood Bowl twenty twenty um, a few weekends ago. And um, basically, we just decided we were we were going to have a couple of games and play uh, tournament rosters. Um, so we used the. You, you guys played at somebody's house, yeah. Yeah, I played at my house. Okay. So, um, that there weren't there aren't any tournaments in Scotland at the moment. I mean, there may be towards the end of the year, but um, and we're not back playing in the league yet because. Uh, Venues still need to be d- determined for the league, uh, but yeah, I mean, we we played uh, using granite bowl rosters. So our um, listeners will be familiar with that because it's very similar to the NAF Championships uh, in terms of tiering and uh, TV. So we went with a TV eleven hundred and um, like the the this the tiering package. For the uh, similar to the NAF Championships, and um, I took Nurgle um, with a star player. Um, so it was, uh, and yeah, I'm trying to think what else uh, everybody else took. So Ross took um, Hipster Potter, took Lizards, um, Gordon took Orcs. And then Ross also had a an Amazon roster, so it ended up with me me playing Ross in the first game, and it was hilarious, you know, like, mm-hmm. but like you were saying, just getting the back into the kind of um, the social element of it. Uh, it's it's you can have as much chat as you like on uh, Discord or what have you, but it's much better face to face, and everybody everybody knows that, you know. And so it was just great to have that and the banter instant banter related to what's going on um yeah that was <laughs> it's just some creeps that's what i found at the tournament was that like it was 22 bowl action players and i knew 80 percent of them and you know as soon as we were all in the room together it was as though we had never been away the banter was just flowing across the room the jibes the insults uh, the dirty looks, the funny laughs, it was all just there and it was all really natural and it was, it was brilliant. 
Yeah, and it's and that's it. It's not just limited to just the person you're playing against, though, because obviously with uh, Gordon Huntley Loon being there uh, as well, you know, he was um, he was watching the game that we were playing, and we were, uh, he was laughing at what was going on in the same way that that I was when I was watching him and uh, Ross play, and it was just it was hilarious, you know, like there was some some brilliant moments. Um, I'll, I'll, my my roster was pretty um, ex, experimental for for what we were going for because I wanted to try out the star player related stuff mm-hmm. uh, with a view to what we're discussing just now, and um, I ended up taking Hackflem Scuttle Spike on the Nurgle team. Now at eleven hundred, you have to compromise quite a bit, so I ended up uh, not being able to take two uh, bloaters. So rather than having four, I had just the two and uh, rot spot spawn three pestigors and um, five rotters uh, with yep. sort of block on the rot spawn and the bloaters, and then block wrestle and extra arms on on three the three pestigors and dirty player on one of the rotters. Now, like normally I wouldn't take dirty player, but I thought I'm going to have to try and get removals here because I'm not going to be getting the strength and stuff like that um, and he was the MVP of the game by a country mile, he was uh, just hilarious, you know like the first turn um, uh, so, so Ross was kicking to me um, and the first turn I took out a Soros the block, lizard men um, so I took out a Soros with a block um, I KO'd that, and then I knocked down the Crocs and managed to get a gang foul on it, um, and uh, badly hurt it on the, on the first turn. Oh, he, didn't, he didn't have a Crocs, and he was a sorest down the first turn. Now, of course, like that just allowed me to kind of bully my way up the pitch. Um, uh, Hackflem caught the uh, uh, no Hackflem got a, I got a touch back as well, so Hackflem didn't even have to pick up the ball. So I just basically I moved fairly slowly up the pitch and and murdered my way up the pitch and knocked out like five players over the course of my drive and um i think bad uh, the only other casualty was the uh was maybe a skink really late on um so it was kind of looking like it could have been pretty much tatties at the end of, at the end of the first half but then Ross managed to get all his KOs back. So he was starting, I think, one player down um, in the first in, the, in his drive. Uh, but then, like, everything was it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, in fact, no, he didn't. He had all of his players. He didn't get a, he didn't get another casualty until earlier on the uh, the first half. Against him, uh, so he got all his. He had he had a full eleven on uh, his drive, um, and the the KOs coming back was big. You know, like if they hadn't come back, I'd have just been punching him to hell and high water. But mm-hmm. I mean, still having six Soros uh, all with block um, is is a, is good. You know, when you've got the speed the speed of the skinks as well. Um, I think. It it became a lot easier for him where he removed a couple of my players for KOs fairly early on, and uh, I think by the time he scored, which was around about uh, turn 
I think it was his turn six, leaving me with three turns to score. Um, I'd lost um, I'd lost four players to KO as myself. Um, and it was a case of, well, like if I don't get these back, then me scoring is going to be difficult, you know, so this has probably got a 1-1 written all over it. In amongst my uh, KOs was uh, Hackflem, uh, who in about turn three uh, snaked a, a go for it to mark the ball carrier and uh, KO'd himself. So uh, wow. <laughs> it was uh, he. Uh, um, and then, of course, on my drive, uh, only one of my KOs came back. Um, so I was down players, you know, like I'd removed a couple more of his, but I think it was, I think it was maybe, I think it was 10, no, maybe nine players of his to about seven of mine by this point. It was, it was, it was really bad. You know, it was a, it was a, a deficit. And um, I thought, oh, this is going to be, challenging and then I, I i picked i got the ball um with the extra arms guy and i was sitting there thinking right, what are we going to do here so i just kind of i went with a hero play and now everybody's obviously had a, a fair grip about uh passing and stuff like that in uh in blood bowl 2020 yeah. and uh like Nurgle are one of the teams that like have really been hit with that because like there's nothing better than a four plus on uh, on the roster for passing. Um, now, in fact, the only person that uh, that would have had a better chance of passing was Hackflem with his three plus on uh, sitting sitting on the KO bench. Uh, so I managed to to get um, a rotter in in position. Um, the turn before, I knew I'd, I'd have a couple of go for it uh, to make to to score if I did get the ball, and the, I had to make some go for it to make the pass a four up. Otherwise, it was going to be a five, and it was a four up pass, uh, four up catch, uh, which I which I made, um, and then I I couldn't get the rotter safe enough. I had no mm-hmm. reroll uh, at this point because I'd used one on the. Um, on the on the pass, um, the um, I couldn't get the rotter safe enough that he couldn't be hit. But Ross had no rerolls because he burned the ball very early in his drive. Um, so he had to make two go for it's for the hit, mm-hmm. um, and he and he failed the go for it. And then I had to just make uh, a go for it to score. And I passed to go for it, so it, it was quite it was fun. There was some great great stuff in there. I mean, the the use of the rerolls thing with the Lizardman roster, you can only get two rerolls now. Um, yeah, so the recost. I mean, we we discussed that. We've discussed yeah. Lizards. Oh, can you remember the episode? I can't. Uh, it was uh, either episode twelve or thirteen or something like that. Yeah, um, and he he. Um, uh, Ross had burned both of his uh, rerolls in the first turn of uh, my drive, uh, so, so he played the rest of the half uh, against me in the first half uh, with with no rerolls, which didn't help because obviously everything was a fail state potential. You know, I, yeah. I think uh, I think that that's the trap with the rerolls is that you end up thinking, oh well, okay, I can use that here and then. 
oh well maybe I could use that here then all of a sudden you've got no rerolls left um I was a bit more kind of expedient with mine I I kind of kept mine back for um for kind of the odd occasion I had three uh two uh rather uh but, but I'm used to playing with with low reroll count teams but no, it was just great. It was great to play and getting two one win was great. Now I think in that roster, I wouldn't have said like Hackflem won me the game. You know, I think I probably could have uh, scored in the first half without him, and he played uh, a fraction of the second half. Uh, so it's diff- It was difficult to tell from that game whether he he would break it at that level, especially the TV. Uh, we'll discuss the star players uh, uh, later on, of course. But then um, Ross, Ross, and Gordon played a second, uh, the second game. Uh, so Ross played Amazons with Carla versus uh, Gordon's Orcs. Now Orcs have to compromise a fair bit now as well. You know they um, they can't take a, a they can't take three rerolls either. I think um, because everything's gone up slightly uh, on the Orc roster too. So there was a a fair amount of uh, compromise made there, and uh, Gordon just had a nightmare. I think the, fir- the first thing he rolled was a uh, set of double skulls, so he mm-hmm. burned a reroll straight away, uh, and then um, failed the pick up. And by that point, Ross had managed to kind of sneak his players around the side, and um, he picked up the ball and scored in Gordon's turn. I think it was his turn three. Sorry, no, it would have been his turn two, actually, I think. I think he scored in his turn two um, after the way it kind of all panned out. And then, so Gordon got gets another opportunity to uh, to receive, um, having not had much go, uh, go right for him in the first couple of turns. And then um, Ross rolled a blitz. Yeah, <laughs> snuck round, snuck round, uh, managed to get two people under the ball, and I think, uh, I think he'd scored, uh, his second touchdown before like turn four. So he was two 0 up, turn four in Gordon's drive. <laughs> so then Gordon Bad it was form. it was brutal. I mean, like there was some bad stuff going on for Gordon Stice. They were they were bullshit. There was a lot of ones and stuff. Like the only good thing that he did was a successful uh, projectile vomit with the troll, <laughs> um, which outright killed an Amazon. Uh, so that 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 was fun uh, to see that in action. Uh, but then, yeah. Gordon got the ball. Gordon got an opportunity to, to at least kind of get another uh, to get a touchdown going into uh, Ross's uh, half. So he still had like four turns, five turns, uh, three three turns or four turns, whatever, to score. And he managed to get in a good position. And he had uh, he had to make a fairly. It was a, a bit of a potato play, um, mm-hmm. with uh, a blitzer, um, and he did he. he Got the guy in the right position, had to make a go for it, had no re-rolls, failed to go for it, and casualty his own blitzer. And then oh, uh, left Ross with an opportunity to potentially score a third, oh. which he didn't make. But go, going into the second half, we ended up calling it in the, the end of the, the first half because 
there was no chance Gordon was going to get anything out of that game. You know, like it was going into Ross's drive and Ross was already 2 nil up. So, and he yeah. still had 11 players at that point. And, you know, uh, Gordon was down to 10. Uh, or was, No, he was on 11 as well, but one of them was a goblin. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it was only a matter of time before Gord, uh, Ross would have got his third anyway. And even if Gordon did turn him over, the chances of him turning him over twice were, were fairly slim, three yeah. times non-existent. So, yeah, we, we called it that. My main takeaways from that were Blipple 2020 doesn't feel like as much of a departure from 2016 as it looks on paper. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, there were some some fundamental changes. I mean, we, one of the reasons why there was the three of us was somebody was sitting, and every time we used a skill for the first time, we checked it against the rules, yeah, just to just to see how it it worked and against the the FAQs and stuff like that. So there was there was some good um, um, backwards and forwards as to what what we understood about the the different rules that were there, and um, it didn't it didn't flow badly. I mean, passing you have to be much more careful about your positioning. You really don't want anything to be doing anything other than a quick pass, unless you're an edge team with a good thrower. Yeah. Uh, in which case, I think you could probably get away with a short pass. Um, but then, I mean, I didn't feel like like I was I had to do much to do that. You know, it was still only a four plus, like it's a fifty fifty. You know, it, it it's happening or it isn't. Um, if it had been a fumble, yeah, it might have wildly inaccurated, and he may have scored as a result of it. But that's. Uh, just the way it kind of works, I guess. Um, I think, and that kind of adds to the high risk, high reward kind of element of the passing, I guess, more than anything else. So I didn't feel like I was, I was kind of restricted by that. Um, mm-hmm. but there wasn't a massive amount of other stuff came up, but yeah, it didn't flow badly, and I thought I, I enjoyed playing it, um, and it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be in terms of. Uh, a departure from 2016, so that, yeah. that that was good. So that that's kind of the that element of it. Online, you you didn't play online at all last month, did you? No, know? I I didn't play any Blood Bowl at all. My, I mean, we'll we'll touch on it later on. Why I didn't do that just because of the the hobby painting stuff I had on. Um, so no, I, I haven't done any any Blood Bowl at all. The, the main wise. Blood Bowl for me. Yeah, the main blood bowl for me was um, the um, the league. Really, I think um, I played um, I played in a couple of. I think I played started playing in Glasgow uh, last time we spoke, um, and I drew my first game in that, and then I uh, lost my. S- Oh, no, I drew my second game and I won my last game. So I went one one two zero with Skaven, uh, with Hack Flem and those. So that wasn't too bad. That was my first kind of real run uh, using Skaven in a tournament, and uh, that that was kind of fun. Uh, both games could have been that I drew could have could have turned into wins really. Uh, but like I said, the, the the league has been hilarious. Like uh, the Aberdeen League. Uh, the first event of the the new season. Um, I think we discussed a couple of the games last time, but the last game of this of the event uh, was against Gordon. Uh, he's running orcs in the league, and I'm running um, 
Nurgle uh, in the league. You're um, a big fan of Nurgle. I'm but, sure the rookie coaches have uh, picked that up by now. Yeah, uh, yeah, massive Nurgle fan across uh, all systems. Really, you know, it's uh, the sort of thing I I kind of enjoy, and I, I, I'm reasonably good with them on tabletop and blood bowl as well. Um, I, I know I know how to to kind of, kind of get them to work, even at low TV. Um, so I, so I was playing Gordon's orcs. Now he he was fairly fairly rookie orcs, so he he, he gave away. Um, I think it was two about two hundred and sixty. I gave away two hundred and sixty TV and inducements to him, so he ended up with a wizard and the orc star player, Agroth Balgrot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was sitting at the start of this thinking, oh, I've I've got no, I still don't have a massive amount of block on the team. It's going to be a tough grind. Um, but he had a really bad start to the game where he uh, he. Failed a, a go for it to get into position to make himself safer. Um, and then the ball went kind of awry and I managed to get the um, the beast or rot spawn onto next to the ball. And there was all sorts of crap going on. And I had a, a good run of kind of getting some of his players kind of uh, down and his dice were shit. Um, but then... I scored in his, I think in his drive on turn, on my turn five, and then he had three turns to, um, to kind of get a touchdown back, but didn't manage it. Mm-hmm. At this point, um, <clears throat> I'd badly hurt a player, um, twice I think. No, I'd badly hurt one of his players, but then he badly hurt, uh. Two of mine, he got um, he got a player of uh, like a a rotter off really early, um, and I was like, that's that's fine, I've I've got a spare, uh, so I should should manage to get in with eleven uh, eleven players in the next drive, and then he badly hurt the uh, the beast just before I scored, uh, and it failed its regen, so I knew I was going into the second half of my drive with only ten players. Um and I was like, oh fuck. Uh and he still had the wizard at that point. Um so he he then proceeded to completely delete my team. Like I've I've never been uh so badly smashed up uh in this in a in a, a game of Blood Bowl before. Like um he badly hurt I think it was about so yeah, he badly hurt a bunch of my players, including killing one. Mm-hmm. Um, he he caused seven casualties across the game, um, and wow. I failed. Um, I failed four out of five regens. Um, wow. So that that was that was four out of five fifty fifties. So I, I think I had three players at the end. Uh, on the pitch still, um, which was uh, which was hilarious, but he still didn't score because <laughs> oh, he failed no. to go for it to score. It was amazing. Uh, he, he he had to, I think he had to get a pass uh, to do it as well, but he failed to go for it into the end zone. Um, and uh, I killed one of his black orcs a couple of turns earlier, so got a free player out of his uh, team as well. So that kind of softened the blow a little bit. 
Um, so he he wasn't best pleased because uh, with the amount of removals he had, he should have got a draw out of that game, no question. Yep. Um, and and I finished that one on uh, that event on a win, a loss, a draw, um, which is okay considering uh, who I was playing. I, I played Joe's Dwarves, uh, uh, the Joker. Uh, I played his Dwarves the, the game before that. So yeah, it was a, it was a it was an interesting kind of end to the the thing. So uh, it was even more hilarious when uh, I did I did the draw for the uh, August event, and uh, it was a rematch in the first game. So the TV difference was exactly the same. So he ended up with a wizard and a, and the chainsaw again. Oh, and I should say the, the the chainsaw didn't do anything uh, in the in either game. Uh, like what, I, um, I, what what chainsaw did he did he take? That's the orc one, Agroth Balgrot. Um, right. So he's got like uh, armor nine. That I think's about the only good thing going for him apart from the, the chainsaw. But yeah. sorry, the reason first, I, asked, I thought I thought he I thought he could get access to the goblin chainsaw. Yeah, he could, but he'd have to lose the wizard. Um, so oh, the, the wizard yeah, would have yeah. been uh, better. Yeah, no, um, great call. Take a wizard. So yeah, I got um, I got I got, uh, I got him with a blitz in the first in my first turn this in the first game, and KO'd him, and that was him gone. And then the second game, um, I think it couldn't have gone worse for him either. You know, he like he uh, he had uh, he got sent off with a foul in the. Uh, so he, he kicked to me, sorry. Um, and um, Agroth Balgrot got sent off on his first foul, um, which was great because I, I didn't have to face a chainsaw for two full games. Uh, he then managed to, in the turn after that, he used the wizard, and the wizard absolutely obliterated uh, two of my players. He badly hurt one, who thankfully regened and KO'd the, my blodger. Uh, my bludgeon Pestigore, who was carrying the ball. Um, I then had uh, a couple of uh, dicey turns where I managed to kind of escape again and mm-hmm. uh, in the process killed um, one of his players again. Um, I killed... What player was it? Oh, I killed, oh, like kill, kill. oh I, 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 I killed three of his players outright across two games like a black orc a blitzer and uh and his thrower um so i i scored yeah, don't, don't, in my don't turn bother killing any lineman or anything mate just you, you kill no, the good stuff. no all the big guy all the good guys the only thing it could have been worse is, was the troll really i think it, uh added into that mix but no I, like so I, I buckled this team enough to make it hard for him on his drive after scoring and um um the uh in turn in my turn eight and he failed the uh, uh one turn touchdown uh attempt with the uh, goblin um it stacked the land and killed itself it came back but um in his uh in his drive he killed one of my players and it was a really really tough drive until like um he had a couple of shitty turnovers and I managed to get the ball off him. He, he had to potato play it, and um, he was passing to a black orc, 
And the only thing that he could have, and that was in turn three, he just needed to get something on the sheet. Um, and he failed it, and I managed to get the ball back. And I ground my way up the pitch on the way, killing his uh, um, um, thrower and managed to kind of stall out uh, to score in, in my turn 16 uh, as well. So I won 2 0. Which was great. It was it was hilarious. I, I th- it wasn't hilarious for him. Uh, but hey, no, I mean, the two I lose, I lose three players to death um, over the space of that time, and yeah, that's that's a that's a lot to suck up. Yeah, bear in mind I don't have any claw, and I only have two mighty blue on the team as well. Yeah. Um, so it's not it's not like I was uh, I'm like kill team Nurgle. My team's not hit that level of development yet, so um, I, uh, I I think I was lucky to not end up getting a draw in the last game. Uh, mm-hmm. but the, the one the one I won, I outright won. Uh, it, it was just a, it was just a, a pile driver, you know. I think it's hilarious. He got over the course of the two games, he still outcashed me. Got, uh, given the result here, he's still got seven cash versus my three or four or whatever it was. Uh, but he still didn't get anything. So uh, it was a yeah. It's just the way it, the way it rolls sometimes. Yeah, um, that's what blood ball blood ball can do. And yeah, know, I mean, I wouldn't have said his dice. Yeah, I wouldn't have said his dice were awful. They were just bad at, at times where they they needed to be better. Um, I still wrote, he wrote his troll was shit, um, and I still needed to roll um, dice to get results. And uh, my beast was not so great in the second game uh, for a, a, a couple of turn, turns as well, you know. So yeah, it was a, it was a good game. They were both good games, but for different reasons. Um, so I'm now sitting on in the season in the league with uh, Nurgle. Uh, six two two, uh, for results right. six wins, two draws, and two losses. So I'm reasonably happy with that. I've got half wins up next, so no doubt when we speak uh, next time it'll be six two three after I end up getting halfling diced. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Yeah, J- Jamie, who I'm playing, is uh, is due a win because he's been absolutely thumped uh, a couple of times. Uh, he got beat four nil by Potter in the last game. Okay. Um, I think um, it was either four nil or four one. Four one. So yeah, the charity, give him the charity touchdown. Aye. Uh, so hopefully he's got. Uh, he's, well, hopefully he doesn't get uh, get a result against me. But yeah, he's due one. Um, but yeah, that, that's it for the games side of things. Um, yeah. So I had some good games. Been fun. Just to finish off the gaming thing, mate, because um, I mentioned that the, we've got a team event for bolt action that we're going to at the end of August down in uh, South End in England. And it's uh, all four players attended that tournament that I was talking about previously in Bathgate. Yeah. And we were all using the army lists that we're going to be taking down to. Southgate, Southend, sorry. And it was just when you mentioned this sort of you were on six wins, two two draws, two losses sort of thing. When we tallied up our results as a team, 
we finished on nine wins, two draws, and one loss as a team. That's and, pretty damn good. Yeah. When when we looked at it, I said to the guys, like, you know, one one guy finished on three wins, uh, two of us were on two wins, two draw, two wins and a draw, and one boy went two wins and a loss. And I was like, if we do that on day one, we'll be fucking flying high. Even if we combined all our worst uh, worst results together, that would still be enough to get a draw um, in a round. I really hope we can we can continue that on, which would be really good. I just thought it was worth worth putting yeah. in there. That the team the team did really well, and the guy that lost, um, guy called Phil from up up north, up north of Scotland, from where I'm sitting, my perspective, uh, local to you, um, he lost to the guy that won won the event outright. So, uh, and I was I was next to him, and it just he had one of those games where. And it just hit the skids really quick. Um, and there was no real fighting back from it. doesn't matter how good a player you are or you know, how good your army is. It just sometimes doesn't, doesn't happen for you. So Exactly, um, yeah. And, and you know what? Now that I've said that, next time we sit down to podcast, oh, Phil, we fucked it down in England. We got beat. <laughs> That's what I'll be saying. <laughs> nah, Quite I'm sure friendly. you guys got on fine. So what else have you been doing on the hobby the hobby table? So what's been on the table for you this this month? Is this the bit where we do the money? Uh, yeah, aye. So we'll, we we'll have a chat about uh, how much money we didn't didn't uh, spend. I, mean, I think we normally do that towards the end of this particular part. Okay. After we've okay. Did, discussed what we've uh, been painting and stuff. So I can't remember at what stage I was doing in terms of my painting up a Soviet tank for a painting competition for the ammo uh, by Mike Jimenez range um, but I got mm-hmm. that finished and I got it submitted and uh, I didn't win anything which is a shame um, but not, not a surprise when you see the level of entries that other, other painters put in and uh, that's when I saw the other entries, that's when it really sunk home that I was up against, you know, people that just they don't war game, they just do scale scale miniatures as their as their hobby. That's all yeah. they do. And it's phenomenal the work that they can do. Um, and they're working in a bigger a bigger scale than I was. Um, so they can get into even more levels of detail, and uh, and when I looked at what I'd done, it's still a really nice tank. I'm really happy with it, but I still wanted to make it look not. Oh, I still wanted to make it pop on the battlefield so that it could draw the eye because it's a big tank and it'll be the biggest model in the army. Um, and so I sort of maybe lost a little bit of the realism that the scale modelers strive to achieve. Um, so not not disappointed. I've, I've after I finished that, I had to go and do the all the weathering effects on my Confederate army, and that was on a, a Sherman tank, two jeeps, two trucks, a light howitzer, and a, a light artillery piece. And uh, yeah. that that took up the bulk 
the bulk of my time doing all the weathering effect on that. But I, I used some of the products and some of the skills that I had that I had just learned from painting the Soviet tank. And so I'm really happy with the outcome. Um, I'm, I'm sure I sent you a couple of pictures. Yeah, they look great. The, the yeah. tank that you did for the uh, for the um, competition looked great. You know, it's just uh, like you say. You know, when you're up against guys who are, are either doing these things as part of dioramas, and the realism is just yeah, um, the kind of key key for them. You know, so yeah, I think it's difficult. It's difficult in those specifically for scale models mm-hmm. uh, because it's a it is very difficult. Uh, to um, walk the line between the realistic stuff and the uh, and the kind of more eye catching stuff, whereas if you're doing, I guess, competition painting for uh, like more of the kind of traditional wargaming stuff, the eye catching yeah. stuff is the thing that generally kind of wins. It's not the realistic stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's. Uh, um, it, it, it did look good, and the other stuff yeah. that you you weathered uh, looked great as well. Yeah, so that was that was the bulk of my time was spent doing that. I actually never picked up, um, fuck, I never picked up an acrylic paint all month. It was all enamels and weathering powders and potions and lotions and stuff. So I generally don't think I did that because then I had to also go and do. Uh, a lot of um, black lining on the individual infantry troops, just on their faces, rifles, mm-hmm. and a few other key areas, just to sort of get that color differentiation. Different uh, differentiation, yeah. Right, whatever the word is, I've I've lost it. I'm I'm a glass of wine, and by the way, Phil, sorry, it's a uh, it's Sunday night, and need a drink. Aye. Um, Aye. And then oh. I mentioned. I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast because the the Confederate Army have all got banners, and when I um, varnished them, I frosted all the banners. Did I tell? Did I say that on the podcast? No, but you you mentioned it to us in chat, obviously. Yeah. Um, Ugh, fucking that wound me up. Um, so I had to go in and fix that using different uh, a couple of other different varnishes to. To scale it, uh, to sort of defrost it, and it worked. Thank, thankfully, it worked a treat. So there was no no lingering issue. But that was again just another sort of time time consuming thing that had to happen. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, that's that's all the pain. wise the the commissioned dark elf teams just sat there having to take a back a back seat for a moment, just because I was getting ready for not just one tournament, but two tournaments. In terms of what was on the the painting table, that was. That was that. Um, but I've got that all done 100% plus a little bit extra. And for the future, I have looked out, I think it was like another seven armoured vehicles for it. Uh, and they're lined up next to the, the spray booth, ready to get cracking in the next couple of weeks. So Good stuff. Yeah, the, the, hobby, the hobby mojo is strong. And uh, the dark elves will get some attention as well. Um, obviously, I want my I want my payday for them. But I've made a commitment to getting them one hundred percent finished before I take any money for them. So you know, good it's good motivation. Um, no, that's good. And I never built anything, so 
uh, you know, when we when you when you exchange your stories of what's in the painting table, we'll we'll get to talk about money, and what we've bought. Yeah. I, I bought stuff. Ah, <laughs> oh, same, 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 same. Um. Okay, so what have I been doing painting-wise? I painted um, the Croxagore for uh, the Lizardman team I'm labouring at um, for one of our friends, McNugget. Um, mm-hmm. It came out quite nice. It was almost like a, a kind of homage to um, one of the high fleets for the Tyranids. Um mm-hmm. Can't remember which high fleet it is now. It's gone right out of my head. Um, it's Leviathan, isn't it? That that's right. That's it. It's Leviathan, and it it came out quite nice. Um, and I'm I'm pretty oh, happy really with did, it. Mate. Um, I need to. Uh, it, it kind of it ended up uh, being my second attempt at it because I stripped it and started again because I I was going down one path with it and I just really did, I wasn't feeling it at all. And then uh, I I saw a, a high fleet Leviathan. Uh, Color scheme, and I was like, you know, that that would work pretty well. So I I, I stripped it and and started again and finished it pretty quickly. Um, the other stuff that I've painted so far this month, I had um, a crack at uh, I got I got quite a lot of the the airbrush work done on my swamp cast blight kings. I, I built the remainder of them. And converted them and and got them sort of sprayed up, um, so they just need to kind of have the uh, the the non-metallic metal gold done and um, and the the kind of fine detail work for the other metals on there. Um, but I also started painting the the worm spat uh, for mm-hmm. the they're an underworld's warband. Um, but I also will use them as part of my uh, Nurgle army for Age of Sigmar, um, and they. Um, I wanted to keep them like unique enough that they were obviously um, kind of heroes or what have you in the army, but still have a kind of tie into um, the um, the like the color schemes of my of my actual army itself. So I kind of laboured around that a fair bit, and then thought, you know, I haven't done any like non-metallic metal steel uh, for for this army at all it's mostly been gold uh, so I, I kind of went I did a, a test uh, on uh, Sepsimus the, the guy with the, uh, the big uh, halberd or spear or whatever it is um, for it uh, using I did a bit of texture on it using the um, the kind of stuff I used on the Swampcast Blight Kings and then stippled a lot of uh, kind of greys and blues into it and it went through an ugly phase where I really wasn't sure or, or convinced that it was going to turn out okay. Uh, but it's actually kind of, kind of <laughs> it's it's come out pretty good. I, I, in fact, I, I'm pretty happy with it. Um, and this the steel looks like pitted, uh, rusty steel um, to me. You know, it kind of works quite nicely. Uh, the skin came out really good um, again, and uh, I enjoyed painting them. I've I've got kind of. Um, I've got the other two to do, so the uh, Fecula flyblowing the uh, the sorceress and um, the other guy whose name I can't remember with the two axes. Um, but I, and I've already started on them as well, so um, should, 
should get on pretty pretty well with them as well. Um, and I think that's about it on the painting side. Um, so as far as money goes, <laughs> like, oh my word! Like I said last time, I can't remember how much I uh, we guessed last time, or if we even did. But I'm sure I said I, I don't think I'll I'll be uh, spending much. Yeah. Uh, this well, time we around. always say we're not going to spend much. I know, and and we're both filthy, dirty liars. Like well, I spent other than, other uh, than last month when I didn't spend. I hardly spent anything last month. It was five pounds yeah. last month. Yeah, I guess you've probably more than made up for that this time round. Yeah, fucking wrong. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, it was it was my birthday this this uh, earlier in this month. So I did get some some money from relatives, which I spent. Um. No, I you, thought we weren't. I thought we weren't counting that. Yeah, so I'm. I'm gonna say I'm not counting that. Um, so like, uh, you can knock uh, X amount off the total. Um, okay. So in terms of but, real uh, money, real money that you've spent, I believe you have spent ninety-seven pounds of real money. Oh God, no! It's more than that. Oh my God! You find <laughs> it. I'm just a prick. <laughs> Did you go? Are you are you like one hundred and twenty-five? Ah, uh, it's 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 probably about one hundred and fifty. Oh. Um, I had. What did you buy? Well, well, that, this is the problem. You know, like I'm, I sit, um, I, I I sit leafing through stuff of legends. I don't know if everybody's familiar with stuff of legend, but it's like a like a a site that catalogues a lot of old Citadel miniatures stuff. Um. Going all the way back through in the early eighties and stuff like that, uh, it's mostly the old Hammer era, so uh, all the metal stuff and some of the early monopose plastics. Mm-hmm. And I, I was sitting f- leafing through that, and um, I very regularly kind of like drop onto the uh, Marauder miniatures section because I liked a lot a lot of their miniatures uh, during the uh, the time I was in in the first round of, of the hobby. I looked at the Chaos Warriors uh, and the mounted Chaos Knights that they had, and I thought, you know, I'm going to fucking track these guys down and paint them um, at some point. And they're not cheap. I did manage to get um, two of the the three... um, Well, so I've I've picked up the three on foot, uh, and they weren't particularly expensive. Um, I think I got all three of them for like about thirty quid, so about a tenner each, which isn't bad, given that they retail no. for about three pounds each originally. It's uh, it's still ridiculous, okay. but it's not bad. But the mounted ones, fuck me, I've only managed to get one so far, uh, and that was thirty quid <laughs> on its own. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Jesus. Fucking jobbies. But at the same time, I was sitting after I'd leafed through there, I, I was like, oh, I wonder if, if they've got the like the catalogue that shows all the, the Nurgle champions from the same sort of era. So, <laughs> I've just sat and on eBay for the past kind of couple of days, like, yep, I'll take that. I'll bid on that. And I've ended up with one, two, three, four, five, six out of the uh, um, tw- 
twelve of those that are available. Yep. Now I haven't paid I haven't paid through the nose for most of those. I think one I paid more than a tenner for. The rest are all sort of under a tenner. Um but yeah, I'm I'm keeping an eye out for 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 the rest of those and the other two, uh, the other three mounted uh, Marauder Warriors, which I, I still want to track down. Uh, because I'm gonna, well, obviously, with Warhammer Old World uh, reappearing and the uh, assurance that uh, old armies will still be relevant, I was gonna do an Old Hammer Chaos Army uh, mm-hmm. with like a, Nur- a Nurgle tinge uh, on square bases. Um, for that, so I'm just kind of buying stuff just now with that in mind. Um, the other stuff I purchased, so the Deluxe stuff came out, uh, like for Necromunda, the yep. um, the expansion for that, effectively. Um, and I picked that up, um, and a box of Empire Flagellants. Uh, they still make them, apparently. I didn't realise that until I saw them on uh, online. Uh, but what, the plastic or the metal? Plastic ones, not not the metal ones. The metal ones got it. The metal ones aren't aren't great sculpts, but uh, don't get me get down that rabbit hole as well, because uh, they they'll probably cost an arm and a leg too. Uh, but the the plastic ones are fine for what no, I want them. Sorry, for, Phil. Do fun. you want do you want some of the metal ones? Well, have you got them? I think I've got some. Randomly, oh, let me I, check. Sorry, listeners. That's a total aside. We've we've never discussed this before, but. Let me have a look. I'll see what I've got, and I'll we, I'll sell them. We may we price. may well have a conversation of that uh, around that. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. The the plastic ones uh, will work for what I'm going to use them for, which is uh, um, they used to uh, used to be able to run uh, diseased flagellants in uh, uh, the early Warhammers, but um, I'm just going to use them as uh, marauders, um, Nurgle marauders. Um, and uh, nurgle them up. Um, yep. So, so that, that that that's that's kind of pretty much it. Uh, there's a few things in there that I haven't counted. Obviously, uh, that additionally on top of that, as a result of buying them with uh, birthday money. Um, so, how much but, cash? Uh, how much cash is left you? Like we've accounted for the 150 of your own money. What about this magic about, birthday money? So what's what's your cash about, about two about two hundred in total uh, is how much wow. I've spent in the past month. That's pretty yeah. great. Well done. Aye, but yeah, it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. Good. <laughs> Hit me up then. What do you think my my magic number is today? I can let you know it's more than a fiver. Yeah, I, I I wasn't expecting you to have another another low down uh, month. I reckon you have spent. Hmm. Uh, eighty five pounds. You are super close. I will give it to you at eighty. Hmm. Eighty quid. Um. So for me. Oh no! Yep, eighty five. Oh, you're on the money. I just saw something else that I bought. <laughs> Score. 85 is on the money, mate. Um, so I picked myself up a little Vortex mixer. Um, oh, aye. I'm, I'm sure hobbyists have heard about these that you, you know, they use them in chemical labs and stuff. I think we discussed this in a podcast recently. Um, but I decided to get one just 
for all the different older paints that I've got, and uh, it, it really works. It really does. You know, you can just the different way you pressure you put pressure on this little pad thing, and it just vibrates it and uh, yeah, it really activates the paints really well. Yeah, there's a few sort of the I think the Games Workshop technical paints have got mm-hmm. sort of texture through them, um, so it really pushes the texture through the through the paint, so that you know, you know, if it, it doesn't settle at the bottom for a little while, it keeps it all flowing amongst it. It's, um, so we get picked up a Vortex mixer. It's really good. Um, I was shopping around on one of the Bolt Action. Oh no, it was a, just a generic board game trading site uh, on Facebook, um, and it just happened to be a, a job, a couple of job lots of bolt action stuff. And I was just scrolling through, and there was nothing that was really catching my eye. The prices were all good, but it's not stuff I wanted. And then tagged on at the end, the guy was just selling off random, random other stuff, and he had a set of uh, Wood Elf Blood Bowl dice, and. Uh, Prince Moranian, a Star Player original GW Metal, and yeah. uh, I think it was one of the Willy Miniature Elf Star Players. It was Eldril, Eldril Sidewinder. Um, and that was just a little job lot for like 20, 25 quid. So I was like, yep, yeah, I'll take that. Why not? You know, it's a, it's a set of dice. And a couple of couple of metal models, and it included postage as well. So you know, yeah, take my money, no problem. And I also picked up. I was trying to get two airplanes, two model airplanes. Fucking nerd. Um, in bolt action, you can have air observers, and they can call in airstrikes on your behalf. And it's a bit of a gaming tradition that you'll have cool. Um, model airplanes to represent the marker for them coming in. Um, the, mm-hmm. They they represent an in-game feature, um, but you get to model it however you want. And so I was bidding on two aircraft. Uh, model model airplane prices are fucking ridiculous. Like I don't remember them being, you know, as expensive as they were when I was a little kid. Um, but there was. Oh, mate, I would look it up, but it's two two obscure German aeroplanes, like Henschel 126 and a Henschel fucking blah, blah, blah. It's got a massive big cannon on the front, and they used it in Eastern uh, campaign against the Russians. So I was bidding on both of them, and I really wanted the one with the big cannon because, you know, it's fucking big cannons, cool. I ended up missing out on it by like two quid, so I ended up with just the one aircraft, um, which I've just thrown in a pile in disgust. Almost, I almost didn't pay for it. <laughs> I was that annoyed. It was from the same seller, and I just wanted to get, mm-hmm. you know, another airplane so I could combine postage. Um, anyway, that was sad. And then, uh, this is a bit of an odd admission. I... There was a there was a post on one of the bolt action Facebook groups, and it was a newer player, and he posted basically just asking like, "Look, I've heard about all these nasty, cheesy power game lists. 
what and he asked the community, it's like, what do they actually look like? Can somebody show me an army list that's sort of power gaming? And he got trolled a little bit. Um, but eventually people actually started posting their lists. Uh, and there was all the arguments about, oh, it's the meta from, you know, America, Australia, South Africa, Germany, Scotland, Wales, whatever, the different countries have different ideas of, of what a meta cheese list is. Mm-hmm. But there was one guy who I, I knew, who I, who I know from the internet, never met the person in, in person, but he posted a German list. And I was looking at it, I'm like, fuck yeah, that's, that's pretty tough. That's a pretty solid list. And as I was looking through, I was like, yeah, I've got those models, I've got that, I've got them, I've got enough of them, yeah, I've got that. Oh, I don't have that, that's all right. Um, and then scrolling down, I saw a few ways it could be tweaked to more suit my gameplay. So, you know, within the space of an hour, I had placed an order with an independent retailer to get a, a truck and this random little tank. Now, this will bore the fuck out of people again, but because the Germans invaded France and they captured a whole bunch of French equipment, there was whole engineering units that went about a you know, retrofitting some of the, the the French tanks to make them better or multi-purpose them. So there's these little French tanks that have got multi multiple rocket launchers strapped to the back. And it's like I I didn't I discounted them. You know, because there's better options to go in the army. Um, but looking at this guy's list, I'm like, oh, I see where you're going. Are oh, you got that little French multi launcher? Fuck, I don't have one of them. You know, asked, asked, asked on the same Facebook page, who sells these? Uh, and somebody actually says, like, oh, Warlord Games sell them. I'm like, do they? Fuck off. All right, there it is. Uh, and I contacted one of my independent retailers, sort of, you know, I've mentioned them before, my go-to, sort of, for purchasing. And one of them said, I've actually got one of them in stock right now. I'm like, yep, done. And give me a truck. So it's, it's, it's horrible to admit, but I kind of netlisted a little bit, but I didn't in the same time because I own 90% of the, the list already. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sitting on my table as well, because uh, I can knock that out pretty quick. I would actually like to think next time we speak, I would have built and painted that uh, to fit my German army. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's how you spend £85. Sexy Happily. times. Yeah. Sexy times. Yeah, so both of us, uh, of us spent more than we expected, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, I think for next time, though, I'm going to say it. I don't think I'll buy anything new because I'm going to a tournament and it's a flyaway event and I think I'll be spending all my I... money on alcohol. Pretty sure that's, that's what will un- happen. That's understandable. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. Like I, I don't know what I where I'll get to with uh, stuff, but um, I think a lot of it depends on what's coming out at the time. You know, like I normally sit there thinking, oh, oh if I can find something on eBay, um, that I'm, I, I know I'm looking for, then I'll, I'll try and pick it up because you know, like you, you kind of regret not getting stuff but 
as far as new stuff goes, you know, like I was I was borderline tempted by the new Kill Team box, but like having read about it and stuff, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, pro- probably not. I do like the new Krieg models that come along with it. Um, but I mean, I could cope until they come out separately. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess I guess it'll be a while off because they'll want to uh, buy the the box set. But yeah, um, and then I'm sure they'll do Games Workshop. will do a run of um, made to order for that as well. Yeah, and I thought the kill team was limited. Uh. Yeah, it kind of will be, but they're doing quite a big pre-order on it at the moment. So, okay. um, ah, we'll see. We'll see what comes out. They, they, they've said that the um, the box itself, either uh, like a, there'll be a multi-part kit for the Krieg available separately. Um, yep. So, I'd imagine that'll come around about the same time the, the new Imperial Guard codex appears for forty <laughs> k. You think that's um, actually going to happen? Yeah, it's it looks like I I I guess it uh, from the roadmap that they put up fairly recently uh, that there's two, I think there's two more codecs coming this year after um, uh, towards the uh, the end of quarter four and it looks like Tyranids and Guard I think from what the artwork <laughs> looks like um, so I, I'd imagine. Um, I'd imagine the, the they'll get released at the same time as the the guard codex, and hopefully for folk who like Imperial Guard, there'll be a couple of other ones. Like, be nice to see some uh, Valhallans and Steel Legion and stuff like that in plastic. Um, I good good new sculpts of those. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, see what happens with that. I mean, I think the thing I the thing I'm, I want, but we don't seem to be getting at the moment, uh, is new Blood Bowl stuff. There's been no. the odd um, star. There's been the odd star player through. Uh, now, bear in mind, I've said new Blood Bowl stuff. Uh, the team box came out. Uh, so the the Bo- Blood Bowl 2020 came out in November. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. November last year. We've not really had much since then. I mean, the ne- uh, the Necro team came out at the same time. Um, there was a a release for um a spike for fuck what was it uh the the black orcs and the imperial nobles which everybody already had uh who bought the box set so and they were probably weren't going to buy again unless they didn't buy the box set but other than that i mean what, what has there been there's been a few star players there was the frankenstein death one there was the death, death zone, zone book, book. There's been a couple of splashes of uh, pitches and dice, uh, but that that's about it, really. You know, I mean, I I want to see. We've not even seen a preview for another team. No, it's you know, not like, even. I, there's not even any chat about it. Yeah, so I would have expected to to have seen a team by now, even just just seen them with the off chance of them kind of. But I mean, obviously, COVID's still playing a a part in schedule releases and stuff, so. It, that that'll be partially to blame, but um, yeah, I I, I kind of hope we'll see a new team in the next couple of months, um, and yeah, that it, that would be more like more likely to end up with me spending some money. 
that's the thing. It's you know, it's a new team every couple of months would be a slow release schedule, but it would be a welcome one. Yes, yes. Yeah, well, I, I think. Well, because they originally kind of committed uh, back in Blood Bowl twenty sixteen to one a quarter. Um, now, I think that's probably dropped down to maybe two a year, maybe three a year at, at most. Yeah. Um, which is fine, you know. Like the, we don't want them to burn through that uh, too quickly, and then not have anything else to release. Um, but I mean, I'm fully expecting, I would expect another book this year. I, I think it'll be a star player book. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, like, I would really love to see um, Dungeon Bowl or something like that, but um, I, I have a feeling it'll be a star player book. Um, but I would love to see a new team. Now, Either a team, or so that was the other thing. Uh, they brought they've they just announced the Scylla uh, Anfigrim uh, star player um, model. That so that was that was announced, and the the other one that was announced was the um, fuck Max Spleen Ripper model. Mm-hmm. So they've got there there are two corn tinged models appearing. So that kind of makes me wonder if there isn't a corn team or something coming, which would be quite interesting. Yeah. What would um, that mean? That, yeah, well, we should we'll see. We should dive into the final section. And what what was the final section called? Uh, star Star Players, a Phantom Menace. A Phantom Menace. That's it. I can't believe I forgot. Yeah. I've had another glass of wine while we've been talking. Jesus, two wines deep. Getting, getting saucy on a so, Sunday night. So I, mean, I guess I'll, I'll set the scene for this one because it, uh, it me that kind of uh, suggested kind of chatting about it. Um, so I know there's been a lot of chat online in the past kind of couple of months about star players. Initially, when Blood Bowl 2020 was launched, um, it as soon as folks started seeing the rule book, um, it was like, oh, Quite a lot of these star players have come down in price. You know, like you're looking at uh, like Morg and Griff and everything like that, and they're all significantly cheaper uh, than they were previously. Um, so that begged the question as to okay, well, if they're more affordable uh, in terms of uh, the amount of TV you've got to spend on them, are we going to start seeing more of the bigger name star players at? tournaments now mm-hmm. normally yeah. in tournaments uh previously you've seen i mean the teams that tend to end up with star players are tier lower tier teams like halflings goblins and um and the such and then you might get the odd kind of team like um oh, fuck chaos renegades you can squeeze or you could have squeezed when it was available lead grip whip arm into that sort of stuff. So it wasn't like you would regularly see a star player on a higher tier team. Um, no, it would it would be a super rare occurrence. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, Roxy Zons would be the the kind of outlier there, uh, where yeah. they're a, a fairly high tier team, and you could squeeze Roxy in, and they that that was a good 
tournament roster. Um, so it kind of it became a bit of a kind of question that a lot of folk were having. Was like, how's this going to affect tournament play in twenty? Twenty. So not only is them or they they aren't available at present teams now. Yeah. So you've opened up cheaper stars, but you've also um, increased the amount of teams that they can play for. And then the suggestion of the rulebook for tournament play is to increase the amount of TV. So whereas people have previously run tournaments. Kind of more standard at TV eleven hundred. Um, the the um, the rulebook itself suggests for sort of exhibition style play or tournament style play to go with at least TV eleven fifty, if not more. Um, so now, of course, everybody's starting to filter out tournaments and. People are finally getting an opportunity to try some of this stuff out. And mother of Christ, uh, <laughs> the star player rosters are prevalent. Uh, and there are particular ones that are just downright fucking dirty. Um, I think, ironically, the teams that have lost out on that front are teams that would have probably should have benefited in this instance. Like, like say, Goblins, for example. Uh, they don't really have access to much that they can use that's actually good. No. And um, again, that's something that we've discussed on our podcast. Um, when yeah. we talked about the Goblin so scheme, that yeah. all they are, all they are, their real, we'll call it a winning ability from previous edition has been stripped out because they don't have access to star players because those star players don't exist currently in the rule set. Well, I, th I think the maybe not winning ability, but more fun ability, because we used to go with like two chainsaws or two, yeah, two uh, ball and chain and chains. You've got and, and a bunch and of bribes everywhere. Yeah, and you would go, you would go for the larks and see what happened. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can well, probably can't fit, do No, I mean, you can probably fit people like um, uh, what's his name, um, Varag and stuff like that into. A goblin team quite comfortably now. Um, but that's not what goblins are about. No, Gob so it kind of defeats about the a little chaos. bit for them. Yes, shenanigans. Yeah, shenanigans. Um, but there's also been like, oh, there's, so there's also been. You know, if you're looking at it, like there's a bunch of kind of tier two teams, or what you would call as tier two in in um in the current tiering in the the rulebook, who can now take a fuck ton of star players, who are great. So I mean, like we mentioned earlier on my Nurgle roster uh, with with Hackflem. So even at TV eleven hundred, you can squeeze Hackflem, and you do have to compromise a fair bit. But if you start bumping the TV up by another hundred k. Or another two hundred k, because I've seen uh, tournaments at uh, that quite a few tournaments that are doing one point three mil at the moment, um, and then you've got ones that are sort of one one five zero and one point two. 
And now some of these include like skills as well as part of the purchase, but some of them also give you the option of spending the skills towards stars um, and other players. So there's quite a bit of room for um, for like shenanigans here, you know, like, and there are some really big winners like halflings, for example, um, seem to be doing reasonably well. You know, there was a tournament. Um, I think it was either in Sweden or Denmark. Uh, I forget off the top of my head, um, but fairly recently, which did 1.3. And in 1.3, you can squeeze uh, both Morg and Griff onto a halfling team. Mm-hmm. Now, that that's not Morg and Griff with uh, just a bunch of halflings. That, that, that was Morg griff and two trees yeah and halflings <laughs> so like, it was just a case of well i mean so you've got like three guys who can just smash their way through stuff like morgue's obviously got plus plus two uh for mighty blow now um and he's only 340k um and then you've got two mighty blow trees for hold up and then you've got a guy who can pick up the ball on a two and uh, sprint his way um, into the end zone, no bothers. Uh, or you can hold up with a cloud of halflings, uh, stopping people from even getting to the guy. So, I mean, so that's the halflings. So halflings have instantly, in my opinion, gone up a, a tier, you know, if you include the star players at reasonable I mean, so yeah, I, I looked at a uh, halfling roster uh, for the games we were playing uh, with Hipster Potter and, and Gordon at 1.1, and I could still fit in Griff into that and have 14 players, including Griff. Yeah, and um, two trees. Two trees and a master chef. Yep, and one of your own uh, rerolls. So, yeah, it was a good, yep, yep. A good roster. And that's at 1.1. That's at 1.1. So before you even kind of looked at adding the extra that people seem to be chucking at, I think there's a couple of fundamental problems around that, which we'll we'll kind of just say. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know about you, but I mean, I I felt when when people started doing tournaments again, that the most logical thing to do would be to say, well, look, right, we've been used to be playing at TV 1100 predominantly. I know the meta in, in America is a bit more leaning towards higher TVs at tournaments, but for the the majority of tournaments in the UK, certainly, TV 1100 is fairly standard. Yeah. Um, I, I would have thought people would have gone down the route of, right, let's play TV 1100, and then we'll see what the knock-on effects to the current tier one teams or the current meta teams are and see how that plays out. Everybody Beautiful. just seems to have gone batshit crazy and started just upping TVs at tournaments. Like like I said, I don't think I've seen a single one of the ones uh, that have been kind of more regularly popularised um, so far that have been under uh, 1.15. Like most of them have been TV 11... 1150 or higher which is just adding 50k on the face of it might seem 
like chicken shit because what you're doing there is is trying to to retain the original meta for your teams like your wood elves and your lizards and stuff like that where that extra 50k buys you the re-roll or buys you the uh the the team that you had before now that's fair so enough it, there's it a knock on it. it neutralizes the um points increase that some of the teams have experienced yes but there's a knock-on effect to that as well for the lower t- uh tv teams sorry the lower tiered teams where because stars have, have become cheaper for the most part they're now more readily available. So you then start to see stuff like Chaos Dwarves with Hackflem. Um, which, we, which we are. Easily. Yeah, and that honestly looks like a killer team. You know, like, um, there's been at least three, I think, Chaos Dwarf t- uh, tournament wins um, fairly recently. Um, they've, all been, they've all been Hackflem wins. Exactly, yeah. Um, there was Bubble Bowl, um, where the guy who won that went, um, he went um, 3 0 with them, and he had uh, six block, uh, Chaos Dwarf blockers, uh, two Bull Centaurs, three Hobgoblins, two rerolls, a team mascot, and Hack Flem. And, yeah, and that was, that was TV 1150. That was one one five oh. So just for fifty k, you can. I mean, you're not losing anything there. Like on a chaos dwarf team, you you always had to compromise and decide that you were going to ball carry with a bull centaur, and they would you would bang sure hands on one and fifty fifty pick up. Worst case scenario, you would end up carrying on a hobgoblin. Yeah, that's generally what happened. Um. But now you've got access to a a guy who can pick up a ball on a two-up in a tackle zone. He can dodge through ta- uh, a tackle zone on, on a two-up. He's got dodge built in. He's movement nine. So you're not even having to go for it to get uh, to do this, uh, the movement nine like you would with the, uh, the bull centaurs. And you can legitimately say to the bull set uh, with the bull centaurs, right? Well, they've both got block there, and I've got two strength four blitzers who can uh, move nine in, inch. Yeah, and they can run interference to make sure hack flame's okay. It's, yeah, it's they, can even, they can even screen the hack flame. Yeah. You know, like and then imagine and then that's having two two bull centaurs screening your ball carrier. Fuck yeah. Well, well, that's it. And and in this particular rule setup, I mean, he only got three skills, but do you need? More than that, you know, like all the the chaos dwarves have got block, so he took one one guard, and he took block on both the bull centaurs. And exactly. honestly, on paper, that team looks fantastic. You know, like um, it does everything. There's there's loads of tackle. Uh, there's the the strength four guys. Uh, the hobgoblins are there. I mean, you're not you're probably not going to be doing much for them other than adding the odd assist here or there. Maybe. Taking the a foul here and there if um if numbers are going your way, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's not not to take anything away from the guy who won it because obviously he still has to play the games, he's still got to roll the dice, he's still got to make the thing work. Um, but I think I think Chaos Dwarves are probably if we if we still see it as going the way it is, are probably the the meta kings because the. That team is just 
ridiculous with mm-hmm. access to, to Hackflim. Hackflim only ever used to be available for Skaven and Underworld. Yeah. And now he's available for um fuck, I I had it up a second ago. What? Um he can play for anything with a favoured of, so that's Chaos, Chaos Dwarves, Nurgle, uh, Chaos Pact, uh, or Rip, Chaos Renegades, whatever they're called, and Underworld Challenge. Um, so the other teams that cover on that are Snotlings, Underworld Denizens, uh, Skaven, um, I think the only other team. That's it, maybe. Uh, goblins. Yeah. Um, and it's that change, yeah. it's that availability that I don't think has been really accounted for by the guest tournament organisers when they're they're coming up with these these events now. So yeah, I mean, obviously the, the hardcore the hardcore player base have spotted it. It's like, yep, that's it. Yeah, so I mean, both you and I are TOs, and like, I mean, this this sort of thing, like knee jerk reactions to things, worries me about uh, about that sort of stuff. Because I mean, I'd never have been like, oh, you got a banned star straight away, um, so so nobody can uh, nobody can take them. Um, but I mean, that's the that's that's a, a legitimate option now. Uh, when people are discussing it, because they're thinking, well, okay, well, maybe we should just ban stars, because it's just going to turn into Star Bowl, and all you're going to come up against is the same star players multiple times. I mean, the fact that, that Hack Flem can play for so many teams means that you can literally, you could play um, play, a, play a team with Hack Flem at least twice in a five-game tournament easily. Maybe, yep. if, maybe three. Um, same with Griff. You know, like Griff can play for dwarves. Now, I've looked at a dwarf roster with Griff, and yeah, you compromise a fair bit. It's pretty much blockers and Griff, but that's still a good team. You know, like a like twelve uh, or eleven chaos dwarf blockers. It's going to be slow, but you're going to grind your way up the pitch with that, no doubt. Mass guard spam or a couple of guard and mighty blow, and you're fine. You know. Just, just pound your way up the pitch. So it's, it's that sort of thing. I think that there, there's knock-on effects to the new toy syndrome, which I think has has kind of swept the the tournament community, where they've kind of looked and said, "Oh, everything's more expensive. We we must must up TV, and oh, the stars are cheaper, so we we want people to be able to take stars. So then that that's that's encouraged the kind of one point three mil." Uh, Tournament uh, packs, you know, like which is okay once in a while. You know, like like a star player style bowl where you you get access, you see more star players is fun. But if that's the new normal, God, I think it's just going to be crapshoots as to who wins, or you're going to get players who are already exceptionally good just railroading tournaments where they may have not done so. Uh, so in, in such an officious manner before, because uh, they, 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 there was a more level playing field. So I, I, I think it's, it's a tough one. 
It really is. I'm I'm st- I'm stuck on what the the right answer for that is as a TO. But I mean, from from my side, the, my gut feel is um, at the current way it's set up, I wouldn't up TV right now. I would be tempted to remove Star Player access for for uh, from uh, any other team other than stunty teams. And I would be tempted to uh, limit them to taking one non-stunty star or two stunty stars. So that, that, that's kind of my mindset at the moment uh, for, for how that would work. Uh, but if, if people are insistent on upping TVs, then, I mean, you've got to sort of say to yourself, well, like, is there really a kind of, do you limit uh do you, do you remove skill access? Like if you take a star player, do you then lose two of the skills that you've got in your normal team uh, from the package? That sort of thing, which is gets starts getting complicated, and it does. That's and a lot. That's a lot of extra admin for yeah. to, for TOs to kind of work around. And here's my devil's advocate comment on it or call on it. This that could be what this edition of the game is. Is star players because everything that you've discussed or you've highlighted is to try and forgive me if I'm coming over wrong here, but to try and maintain the status quo of the Living Rulebook Six, you know, 2016 edition is to try and keep it as it was. No. No, no. So I, I don't, I don't advocate that. I would, I would kind of, I would sort of more be along the lines of, let's see how the meta develops over without sw- without trying to change the tournament packs to accommodate the new rules. Um, I, I would, I would personally like to see how it affects the tier one teams. So, like, up in the TV was would be a no go for me. Like, I would say, like, TV eleven hundred should be a still be a standard until we work out whether it needs to be upped, and then you find out at that point, you know, like, okay, well, if you're upping it, the star player access increases. So, what do you do to kind of balance that so that halfling teams aren't finishing second and fourth at a tournament? You know, it's 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 that sort of thing because they are low tier teams. You know, they're get already getting access to a bunch of stuff like extra skills and um and and whatever uh, to to make them have a a greater I, chance of winning. But do we want yeah, do we want I'm all gonna, teams to be well, the same? Well, I'm going to throw that at you that the tier system's always been there with the illusion of creating balance. That you know, regardless if you're tier one or tier three your chance of winning is just as good as, you know, the next guy. And that's been an illusion. We've always laughed about that, you know, because tier three teams don't win events. Whereas now, with season 2020, tier three teams are there. They're at the sharp end. They're on the podium. Isn't that what yeah. the tiering system is supposed to be about? I, g- I guess on, on paper... Potentially, but at the same time, though, I mean, if you're looking at this in the context of the game, 
halfling teams aren't supposed to be good. <laughs> they're supposed to be they're supposed to be more challenging to play. Yeah. So if you are a good player and you want to try something a little bit different, you take halflings to a tournament. Knowing full well that the likelihood of you winning is fairly slim, but the the blow of taking a lower tier t- uh, team is softened by like access to a reasonable pool of star players and a couple of extra skills. I like the so, idea that the tiering system with this is actually working. And so it makes yeah, it, tier, tier, it, it means that tier three aren't a joke anymore. You know, you're not well, just should be a up, joke. But you're not but they were a joke in previous editions. Again, so but this, they, they this should is, be a joke. Why? This is this edition Because the, because they're a challenging game to play. Why bother tearing anything? You know, it's it, like tearing. Tearing is, is yeah. I I I fully get where you're where you're coming from with this because I mean it is a kind of it it does lend itself to the the discussion of right. Okay, well maybe if the playing field is completely level, it is the the coach that's winning the game, or but you've still got the variable of the dice in there anyway. Uh, but but the, yes. variable, the variable of the dice has always been there, but exactly. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I, I get, I get, I get that, and and the coach is the winner. So, like, if you if you're playing against, uh, if you've got um, hack hack flame chorfs versus um, Nurgle uh, hack flame, they, they on paper they should be fairly fairly balanced now like the way it works and the coach the better coach should win that yeah so i i get that i get that concept um but i don't know that tournaments have to be like that because it kind of i mean the, the nice thing about going to a tournament was um a stunty cup if you're taking halflings or goblins or snotlings or ogres the um, carrot for that is a stunty cup win. That's exactly you know, like it. It was be the best carrot. stunty player. It was the carrot. It was the thing that made people take the teams because they had no hope of actually winning anything else. I would, I would well, love to find that's, out. That's it. Or, but you would get you would get most cash and stuff like that as well. Was great, uh, an easy one if if you got uh, fouls and stuff like that, and especially for ogres and stuff like that, where you've got so much mighty blow. This is this but is going to sound really harsh, but they're all just bullshit fucking trophies and prizes to encourage people to do, you know, to specialise to do something different. Um, you know, I see yeah. it in bolt action yeah. when there's, yeah. there's tournaments that hand out awards for you're the best German player you're the best British player, or you're the best, you know, Italian player. It's like, yeah, but I was the only Italian player. Played, played for and won. Like, fuck off. I, yeah, like, I, I, I get that. Shit, shit. And that's what... I, I get and that. I get that. And I know, I know we're having a good dis- heated discussion, and I'm fueled by wine, but it's that mentality <laughs> that we've come to accept that always has to be a stunty cup. You know, so that the stunty players have got something to play for, like they're some sort of fucking charity, and they were. Whereas now, the stunty players are actually playing for the real trophy. So, 
you know, I might wake up tomorrow morning and regret saying this, but fuck the stunty cup out the window. Don't need it anymore. So that, that's the thing, you know, like if, if we are, if and I agree with you, like there's there's no point in the Stunty Cup anymore. If the, if this is the, genuinely, the, genuinely the way we're going, yep. um, where it's where it's it's Star Bowl, uh, then the Stunty Cup should just be an, a non-thing anymore because the Stunty teams are doing really well. Even the lower tier teams like um, Vampires won um, Threadball uh, this weekend. Right. Now, good. remember good how much everybody was cry, crying about how vampires are dog shit now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they just won thread thread ball. Yeah. I, I, can you can you really kind of? I I do I think people don't understand knock on effects with things. So I mean, so like I I agree with you. I don't I I think banning stars outright is a need is an unnecessary knee jerk reaction. But in order to, if that is the conclusion that people want to make for, for competitive gaming, they need to have tested that in, a, in an appropriate manner. And people yeah. aren't doing that right now. They're just like bullshitting their way through it by upping TV. That's not the answer. You know, like, I don't know if folk are, unnes- are, are necessarily going out to just break it straight away. And whether it's just me being conservative, but for me, the best way to baseline a meta is to decide, is to baseline it against your previous meta. And in order to do that, you have to start from what you were going at with baseline tournaments before and work your way up from that. And I, I don't have a problem with stars. If it, if it is star ball, every, every game, you know, like the, the devil's advocate in me on your side says, well, well, you had that anyway. You could pick a Wood Elf roster without reading it. Uh, exactly the same with Undead. The the players who are were power gaming were already taking a set roster. So yeah. what's different between that and somebody power gaming with Chaos Dwarves now? It's just a different. It's a different team that people are chaos uh, are uh, power gaming with. Yeah. So there are there are multiple angles to come from this but i don't think folk going down the route of the way they are at the moment is the right way to determine the tournament ecosystem uh that needs to be in place um for an overall enjoyable experience like i think it's i think it's fun that uh, that halflands have won stuff but it is crackers at the same time you know like those Second and fourth at that tournament, so the final standings of that uh, uh, of Threadball, which, which were, a, I mean, it's not it's not a standard rule pack anyway, and never really kind of was. Um, were kind of uh, um, sorry, I'm just going to try and find it uh, while we're speaking, um, because it, if you looked at the kind of top ten. It was Vampire's top, Halfling's second, Dwarf's third, Flan fourth, Halfling's fifth, uh, and then Norse, Underworld, Chaos Renegade, Orc, two Nurgle teams. I mean, there wasn't a... The the highest-placed Wood Elf team was... 
27th. Yep. You know, like, so I mean, like, like the old school kind of, uh, the expected kind of top ga- uh, table teams just weren't there. You know, like, how many tournaments could you go to in the past and say that there would be two Nurgle teams in the top 20? Yeah, and no, no elf team, you know, in the top ten. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's um, no, no undead teams uh, in the top ten. So no necro, no un, uh, no shambling undead. You yeah. know, it's it's that sort of thing. You know, I mean, maybe the game needs to be flipped on its edge and um, and kind of uh, shaken up. To that, uh, but I'm not sure it's to the extent um, that we're kind of headed towards at the moment. That, that, that's my kind of feeling it, um, and I worry from the the players aspect that we're ended up uh, in the, a Blood Bowl equivalent of Hero Hammer, uh, where it's a game's won or lost by one one player in your team, as opposed to so like if if. Hackflam craps out like he did in my in my game. Yeah, I still won it, but um, that required a hero play from uh, from me that was likely to fail more than more than likely. Um, so I don't know. I think it's it's an interesting point. I don't think we're we're certainly not going to solve it right now. Uh, but no, but I've, um, I've nailed I've nailed my um, flag to the mast that I think we should. Should forge on with um, slightly increased team value events, and um, you know the tiering thing. If the tiering thing appears to work, I think I think I, I could be at peace with TV eleven fifty um, as a, a kind of good starting point. I do I do think we need to kind of bump it up to. 1.2, 1. 1.3 though. Oh, look, I'll, I'm with you on that one. If you get to 1.3, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? You're just inviting, yeah. you know, madness in. Um, but, you know, 1.5, even 1.2, I think, is a good enough, a good enough variation. And, and that will change. You know, the teams will begin to change as more star players arrive, like this you know, hopeful, hopefully this product of a star player book, Almanac, Encyclopedia, whatever the fuck you want to call it, does arrive sometime in the near future that gives all teams access to more. Uh, and that way you'll see the, you know, you mentioned that there was Wood Elves, the, next, the first Wood Elf team was down in 27th. That is pretty sad for Wood Elves, you know, to be riding high and then to be laid, laid low, but they don't have access to, you know, anybody that's that's cost effective at the moment. Well, and that and that's it. You know, I mean, there's still players that they can take. You know, I mean, um, like Glorial Summer Bloom and and um, they've got access to like obviously like Eldril and people like that. But I mean, Eldril is yeah. one of the few star players who's actually gone up in price. He's thirty k more expensive now. Yeah. And and like we all know how cost of, of uh, inefficient a wood elf team is now in terms of uh, the way everything's gone up for them too, you know. Mm-hmm. And think things have start have, have marginalised a, a little bit, and I think it's just like you said, 
the breadth of teams that some of the star players can play for, um, where those teams have not had that quality star player access before, is is quite is quite large. You know, like I mean, um, like Nurgle, for example, they had their their star players increased in terms of uh, what was available to them in twenty in the Blood Bowl twenty sixteen thing. But none of the star players that were available to them were significantly like game changing. You know, like you could get loot grip in there for dodge and sure hands to make picking up the ball and the fact you don't have as many rerolls, less of an issue. If you knew you were going to a tournament where there was going to be a lot of edge teams, you could get wither grasp in there. But you were making compromises to do that, and it wasn't going to guarantee you like a tournament win. Um, you you would probably just do marginally better than a normal Nurgle team would do. Um, but the fact that you now have a like a a roided up uh, guard runner who can play for a Nurgle team totally opens them up to to more. You know, like as a Nurgle player, I love that. You know, as I mean, I would quite happily take Nurgle to a one point three tournament. Knowing that I had that access, yeah. um, as as I mentioned, like the as more star players do become available, other teams will become more viable. Um, as we mentioned previously in this episode, goblins, you know they've well, they, they've had their they availability. Need, they really need it. Yeah, they really need it. I mean, they don't have I mean, the, the staples of them, like your fungus, the loons, and your noble black warts, and your yeah. Um, yeah, bomber dribbles not not available. You know, like yeah. like out of all the teams that got gimped uh, in in this edition, goblins got roughshod with the amount of star players that they got. Uh, they got ridden over roughshod like completely. You know, it's like yeah. zero zero good uh, zero affordable star players. Even just in leagues, you know, like your options for affordable star players are non-existent now. Yeah. We don't even have access to Ripper at the moment. No, but just wait till that's just wait till that's rectified and you can just imagine the level of destruction that a goblin team will be able to, to, to let loose on the field. Um, so, I mean, you could you could take Hack Flem on a goblin roster. Um, I, I haven't worked out one. Uh, but I think it would probably be very similar to the, uh, um, like the um, Griff uh, Morg uh, roster for halflings. Although obviously all goblins are a bit more expensive, but you would end up then having to decide: well, like, do I want to play competitive goblins or do I want to play fun goblins? Because you wouldn't have access to the toys. The toys mm-hmm. are so much more expensive than a normal goblin. You're not going to be able to afford a chainsaw. Well, you might be able to afford a chainsaw and stuff like that, but the the fact that you then probably would be able to afford bribes to keep them on means that they're prohibitive. You know, so I think I think that that would will 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 be a problem still for goblins. You might get access to more star players, um, but you'll have to decide where whether you want to be fun or competitive. Whereas with halflings, you can be competitive. Because they weren't necessarily fun, and you're not yeah. removing the fun aspect of them. Um, the fun aspect being throwing the bloody things. 
you can still do that because you've still got uh, 11, uh, sorry, uh, nine halflings that you can do that with. Um, I think, yeah, it's weird. Uh, there's a whole whole heap of kinks that need to be ironed out here. I think you're right. Some of the additional things like your star player access and stuff like that for teams may balance that out a little bit better. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what people do as time kind of inf- uh, folds on with, with additional star players. Um, and also with existing ones as well, you know, like... Um, I don't know how many of the uh, dwarf teams uh, were running, have run Griff, uh, Griff build or anything like that, or a Zara build as well. Uh, sorry, a Carla build, uh, which you could get away with. Carla and dwarves is, is uh, another one. Um, so, yeah, exciting times, but. Yep. And, and we'll do a Star Player Strikes Back um, episode in the near future as things start to. You know, adjust and change, but I think at the moment, uh, as I said before, the Stunty Cup's dead. Just can it? Because yeah. they're, 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 the they're the real deal. The, the, only, the only reason for having a Stunty Cup or even a introducing one would be just to say, well, okay, if you've got star players, then you're not eligible for the Stunty Cup. And then, like, that, that kind of devalues it then completely, like you said, because I mean, it just becomes like a joke thing. Yeah, or more of a joke thing than it was before. Yeah, well, um, I'd love to. I'd love to find out historically what was the very first Blood Bowl event that had a Stunty Cup. Who were the inventors of the Stunty Cup? I think where it was. It, where did it come from? I think it might have been the Water Bowl. Um, I think. I think our listeners should. Somebody should should fuck off and research it and tell us the answer and we'll give you some credit um, in our next I, episode. Correct, who, who created the Stunty correct Cup? Correct me if I'm wrong. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Who created the Stunty Cup? Uh, and congratulations on doing it. Uh, did it start off as a joke? Why did it all of a sudden yeah. become serious? And are we sad that it, in our view, has become irrelevant? Yeah. I mean, obviously, most cash and stuff like that's still relevant. Um, yeah, because it's violent. You know, it's, it's fucking is it, it's, it's part and parcel of, uh, of the game. Ball. You know, it's, yeah. And there's so many ways that you can remove players from pitch, uh, the pitch and stuff. So yeah, I think uh, that's still viable. But I, I just don't see any space for stunty cups anymore. They've kind of been rendered pointless by the way that uh, kind of teams have uh, developed. Mate. So, we put the world we put the yeah. world to rights, and I've I've had a lot to drink. <laughs> I'm I'm still stone cold sober. Mate. I, I don't I don't drink when we're doing this. I drink all. every time. I'm the worst. In fact, no, mate, no, that's I'm, a lie. I, ha- I, ha- I have in the past, but uh, I tend not to. Nah, I'm always drinking. I know because I know I've got to edit this shit uh, the following day or so. Uh, yeah. And also work and uh, what have you. So yeah, I think uh, yeah, <sighs> that it's been an enjoyable chat. I think it's something I, I needed to kind of get off my chest uh, for sure. Well, hopefully, hopefully the rookie coaches listening on will um, do some research online. Maybe try out a few of these uh, star player rosters themselves. Um, 
you know, because the, the teams we've spoken about, the Halflings and the Chaos Dwarfs, we haven't discussed them yet on the rookie coaches section. But I'm sure as, sure as shit, if we do, we would be going down the path of star players for our tournament officers, guys. So, you know, you don't have to wait around for, for those episodes, um, you know, to guess what we'll do. Yeah. And there's been a couple of rosters that we've discussed already that have had star players um, in them. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I'd imagine, I'd imagine when we do get to some of these these ones, there will be kind of good good discussion about the rosters themselves exactly. and the merits of such. But I think yeah. with that all being said and done, it might be time to pull the pin and send the rookie coaches off to bed. Yes. Yep, that's that's us had a good uh, a good go at that. So good move. Well, well, that's that's all from from us guys. So hope you enjoyed listening to the episode um, as requested. If anybody knows the origins of the Stunty Cup, please drop us a message. But until next time, my name's Al Goldeneye Unicorn and Phil from Ashes Cards. Fuck off. And yeah, tatty bye. The nonsense, nonsense, thousands, five, four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Two Guys, One Dice Cup. No, I fucked it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay, well, um, that could, there's your outtake.